Let's talk about our sex distortion crisis. More powerful parenting on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and once again, it's my privilege coming to you each and every week, sharing these important topics. And I got another one today, one that I really haven't even talked about over the first three seasons of podcasting in in the Pushback podcast. Um, But I believe it's essentially important. And I do want to right off the bat say that there is some uh, parental discretion advised on this podcast. I'm going to be talking about some uh, important adult topics. But once again, I encourage teenagers, if you're with them, uh, to be listening to this as well, because this absolutely affects them. And that's what this powerful parenting series is really all about. I'm getting close to the end of the powerful parenting series. And I thank you for your attention and listening to this. I think it's so important, whether you're a parent or not, to understand really what's happening in our culture and what our kids are facing and the, and the need for our kids to be able to stand up on their own, to take the stand and be able to speak and, 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 and answer questions upon cross-examination, which this world will give. Because if you stand against the current, it's going to draw attention and people are going to wonder what it is that you're doing. And we need to be able to speak, speak about it and talk about it. So today... As I said in the opener, I'm talking about what I call a sex distortion crisis. And very specifically, this is about pornography. Now, I haven't really talked about pornography. Obviously, it's, it's, it's rampant and it's a, it's a real topic. But what a, there isn't a better place to talk about, I don't believe, than during my powerful parenting series because our kids are exposed to it. Whether we like it or not, it's, it's what I call ubiquitous. There's the big word for the day. Ubiquitous means present, appearing, and found everywhere. And so when I title my podcast, I take the titles very seriously, and I, and I, I make sure that I use the words that I want to use. Um, and so this is about pornography, but I call it a sex distortion crisis. So what do I mean by that? Well, the word distorted means not truly or completely representing the facts or reality. It's misrepresented or false. See, this distortion that I'm talking about is, has caused a crisis. I believe a real societal, cultural, uh, family relationship crisis here in America and around the world. So why do I use the word crisis? The word crisis means a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. A time when a difficult or important decision must be made. We hear about economic crisis. We know that there's an opioid crisis. I think it's very similar to an opioid crisis where all of a sudden our kids are being infiltrated um, and targeted. And I believe that's absolutely the case with pornography as well. You know, there's a saying that says sex sells. And 
uh, I looked it up. You know, sex was first used to sell products back in 1871. According to the World Heritage Encyclopedia, the earliest form of using sex in advertising was by Pearl Tobacco. Their cigarette package displayed an image of a naked maiden. This was exceptionally provocative at the time, and sales immediately rose. Pearl Tobacco became one of the biggest um, uh, uh, seller of tobacco at that time, and they contributed a lot to the marketing. Studies have shown that sex and advertising is more frequently used to sell impulse purchases, clothing, food, drinks, health, and beauty items. All you got to do is slip on the TV. Even during my Vikings games, you'll see these commercials that, um, that solidifies the notion that sex sells. Well, I've done a lot of research for this podcast because I wanted to make sure that I not only present this to you just from a moralistic standpoint, but from a scientific standpoint and from from a, a standpoint of even the way the secular world has studied this and looked at this. And I think it's going to raise your eyebrows, maybe no surprises, but it's called the triple A's of pornography. It's accessible. It's affordable, basically free. And it's anonymous. It's anonymous. And uh, it's porn has quickly become the easiest escape for people to bounce out of reality. This makes it incredibly dangerous. So I can talk to you from a moralistic stance, and and I would guess that most of my listeners would uh, probably agree with everything I'd have to say moralistically. I, I don't, I'm not sure the purpose of this podcast is to convince you that pornography is wrong or bad or harmful. Um, although I will go a little bit into the harmful side of things. And it's clear that when part, when we partake in pornography um, or participate, that we are not living within the loving boundary that the Father actually gave us. He gives us boundaries so that inside the boundary we would thrive. He also gives us free choice to live outside of the boundary where we become sick. And that's exactly what we see with pornography. It shouldn't surprise us because the Lord's given us a very specific boundary. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So there's verse after verse about sexual immorality, how that is outside of his loving boundary, and that just makes perfect sense. But what always kind of floors me and what I find particular interesting is when uh, the social experts and even the secular experts confirm what the Bible teaches us. <laughs> Should we be surprised? Probably not. Because the Bible, the Bible is always going to be a higher standard. And so when the world actually confirms what we already know from the Bible, I think that we should see that as the lowest common denominator where we can see that this is truly harmful. So what are the what is the harm of pornography? It seems like everybody does it. It seems like it's a norm in society and it's certainly easily accessible. Let me read a few things. The digital revolution has led to great strides in productivity, communication, and other desirable ends, but pornographers also have harnessed its power for their profit. Sex sells. The cost has been a further weakening of the nation's citizens and families, a development that should be of grave concern to all. Now, remember, this is not a Christian article. This is just a secular article written by scientists. The social sciences demonstrate the appropriateness of this concern. Pornography 
uh, as a visual misrepresentation of sexuality distorts an individual's concept of sexual relations by objectifying them, which in turn alters both sexual attitudes and behavior. It is a major threat to marriage, to family, to children, and to individual happiness. A major threat. Social scientists, clinical psychologists, and biologists have begun to clarify some of the social and psychological effects of pornography, and neurologists are beginning to delineate the biological mechanisms through which pornography produces its powerful effects on people. And these aren't positive effects, my friends. So pornography's power to, un- to undermine individual and social functioning is powerful and deep. So number one, the effect on the mind. Pornography significantly distorts, here's that word again, distorts attitudes and perceptions about the nature of sexual intercourse. See, I want to be clear from the very beginning of this podcast that sex is not bad. Sex is not shameful. It's not ugly. It's not, it's not something to be ashamed of. And that is why I believe that we need to talk about it openly, not crassly or inappropriately, but openly. And especially with our kids, because there has been a distortion. You'll see this word often, a distortion of what sex was created to be and to look like. It distorts an individual concept of sexual relations by objectifying them. Uh, Let's see, where was I? Um... It significantly distorts attitudes and perceptions about the nature of sexual intercourse. Men who habitually look at pornography have a higher tolerance for abnormal sexual behaviors, sexual aggression, promiscuity, and even rape. In addition, men begin to view women and even children as sex objects, commodities and instruments for their pleasure, not as persons with their own inherent dignity. Pornography teaches men that objectified sex is the norm and is desirable. Relational sex becomes boring and understimulating. That is a humongous paragraph about human behavior and the negative effects of pornography. So that's the effect on the mind. The effect on the body. Pornography is very addictive. The addictive aspect of pornography has a biological substrate with dopamine hormone release as acting as one of the mechanisms for forming the transmission pathway to pleasure centers of the brain. Also, the increased sexual permissiveness engendered by pornography increases the risk of contracting a sexually transmitted disease or being an unwitted parent in an out-of-wedlock pregnancy. Dopamine uh, has been studied, and I've actually studied this already. I find it very interesting. There are certain things that trigger dopamine in our brain. It's a it's a natural pain reliever and a stress reliever. Um, eating. You can insert your comment there, another podcast for another day. Sex and reward, interestingly, releases dopamine. We were just talking about doing jigsaw puzzles over Christmas, and we're trying to figure out why is this enjoyable or relaxing? Well, it's because every time you snap a piece in there, it probably releases a little bit of dopamine in your brain, and you feel a little bit better about yourself. And there's been studies, of course, about opiates. I, I said there's a, I think the opioid crisis is such a great um, actual um, analogy to what's happening here with pornography because opioid floods your brain with do- dopamine and the second that you take it, it desires more. So that was the effect on the mind, the effect on the body. How about the effect on the heart? 
Pornography affects people's emotional lives. Married men who are involved in pornography feel less satisfied in their marital sexual relationship relations and less emotionally attached to their wives. Women married to men with a pornography addiction report feelings of betrayal, mistrust, and anger. Pornographic use may le lead to infidelity and even divorce. Adolescents who view pornography feel shame, diminished self-confidence, and listen to this, sexual uncertainty. What? Isn't that interesting? As we're watching this LGBTQ community, it seems to be on the rise and certainly becoming more accepted in, in normal society. Is it possible that our behavior, even pornography, will actually play a role? Certainly trauma and past experiences do. But could this also play a role in sexual uncertainty? Sex is supposed to be relational, but rather becomes objectified, or what's in it for me? I'd like to read this paragraph because I think this was one of the most important paragraphs that I found when I was researching this, and it relates directly to the title of this podcast about the distortion. Pornography leads to distorted perceptions of social reality, an exaggerated perception of the level of sexual activity in the general population, an inflated estimate of the incidence of premarital and extramarital sexual activity, as well as increased assessment of male and female promiscuity, an overestimation of almost all sexual activities performed by sexually active adults, and an overestimation of general prevalence of perversions. Thus, the belief Thus, belief, thus, the beliefs being formed in the mind of the viewer of pornography are far removed from reality. A case could be made, now this is secular science, a case could be made that repeated viewing of pornography induces a mental illness in matters sexual. Wow, what a statement. This is what the research is coming to the conclusion in. I've seen it over and over again. These are just little excerpts, my friends, that I'm just pulling out on this topic. But it's all over the place. These distortions, that's the word, distortions, result in an acceptance of three beliefs. Sexual relationships are recreational in nature. Men are generally sexually driven. And women are sex objects or commodities. My friends, when we're talking about powerful parenting, this is, this is worlds away from what we want our children to behave. And if you think that it's just hormones, you think this is just normal, this is what teenage boys do, my friends, this is devastatingly dangerous, not only to themselves and to their bodies, but even to their mental health. It's a really, really big deal. And it draws them in and pulls them in and captures them and traps them. Now, I'm not saying all of these things just to scare you, but I'm saying these things to educate so that you can hear the truth about what is happening. And we can't just bury our head in the sand. That's what these podcasts are all about. I haven't talked much about this topic because it's a heavy one. It's not a fun to hear, especially right before the holiday season. And I apologize for that, but this is, this is, this is five alarm problem, parents, and we need to be super proactive. Can I just tell you, again, not to scare you, just to educate you what we're up against? When you do these research for these podcasts, you have to understand that I come across the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
And I think the ugly is actually important as well because we need to know what our kids are being infiltrated with and what the quote other side is saying about these things. This is from an article from The Conversation, January 2020. This is what they have to say. Children and young people are encountering pornography in greater numbers at younger ages and with a wider variety of content, influencing young people's sexual lives. For many young people, pornography has become the default sex educator. Now, this is a secular article, and you will realize that it's not in alignment with what we believe or what we're uh, aiming for for our culture. But they said this as not as a warning, but as a fact. For many young people, pornography has become the default sex educator. My friends, how did that happen? Why is, why is that happening? I know there is some sex education being promoted in schools in a big way, but I am the hugest advocate that it comes from parents. It comes from family members that love the children, that can, that can explain what is happening with their bodies and what is happening as they grow and even become attracted to the other sex. It's important that we walk them through that because it's not bad. It's not ugly and it's not shameful. The world is telling us that pornography and sexual promiscuity is normal. The church is telling us that it's shameful and horrible. Promiscuity is, of course, <laughs> but not sex. And the children are caught in between sort of the norm of society and the shame of the church. And it's not either of those. It's something beautiful created by the Lord that we are not to be ashamed of, but to live in a beautiful boundary where we actually have complete freedom, where we are naked and unashamed, was the culture of the garden. So let me go on with this article. It says, but with sexually explicit material still so easy to access online, there are ways that we can minimize its harms among young people from providing better education at school to developing a more, wait for it, ethical porn. Oh my goodness, friends, it makes you nauseated to hear some of these things. Their answer for sexually explicit material so easy to access is that we educate them more about pornography and that pornography becomes more ethical. So it goes on to say, so what can we do to minimize the harms of pornography on children and youths? Ethical porn and better education. Comprehensive sexuality education in school is vital for providing alternative, age-appropriate content on sexuality. <laughs> Curriculums on pornography can teach young people to respond more critically, helping them assess and respond to pornography's influence. It's, uh, there's resources for schools to help support young people navigate the seemingly ubiquitous sexually explicit material online. And in the U.S. education evaluation of a five-session curriculum, students showed positive changes in their pornography-related knowledge. Other than education, we need better pornography. Some call this ethical pornography. Ethical in its production, use, and distribution and content. So we must hold the pornography industries to account. So that's the answer. Let's educate our children on pornography. Let's teach them more about it. And let's go to the pornography industries because they are the moralistic background that could help our children truly understand. They must produce better pornography is what they said. 
In this article, parents have asked me, my son is looking at porn. What kind of porn should he look at? Maybe we need a rating system. My friends, what is going on? The insanity. We need to realize that this is what we're up against. It says, still it seems pragmatic to give attention to what might compromise better or at least less worse pornography. That is all the world can offer. Less worse. (laughs) Oh, you laugh so you don't cry. It's outlandish. It's irresponsible. It's damaging. It's almost abusive, that article. It's abusive, but they're throwing up their hands saying, recognizing that, yeah, this probably does have some problems because that's what all of the research is showing is that there's some serious problems connected with it. And all they have is, well, maybe if we just make it better, if we just make it less worse, if we go to the pornography industries and say, would you please just make it better and less worse? I mean, think about how outlandish that is. (laughs) This is what we're up against. So I'm sorry to tell you that it's time that you have to look your children's in the eye and have them take the stand. Put them up on the stand. Not only take a stand, but take the stand. Because they are exposed to it. I'm sorry. It's just reality. It's everywhere. It's on every bulletin board. It's every magazine. It's every TV show. Everything everything online and on their phones. Um, sex sells. So unless you're willing to lock them in a bunker... They're going to need to know how to navigate this in their lives. And they're going to need parents to help them and be super proactive about this topic. Which means that you have to talk about it. See, shame actually means hiding. We need to do the opposite. We need to get it out into the open. We need to be, be have the kids be prepared, be transparent. They need to know what to say, what to do, how to avoid compromising situations. And how to safeguard their mind, their heart, and their emotions. It's super important that we talk to our kids that sexual desire and attraction is normal. That's normal. Acting out on these, looking at other naked people, uh, looking uh, and becoming promiscuous, all of these things, that is not normal. It's common, but not normal. It's outside of his normal culture. But make no mistake about it, God created sex. He created sexual desires. He created hormones. Those were all of his creation. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing within his boundary, just like anything else. If pornography is is something in your children that has become a stress reliever or to help with trauma, then we need to talk about healing. We need to talk about anxiety and stress and dealing with those in a healthy way. Studies have shown when young men suffer from early childhood trauma and they subsequently find porn as a release, their brains link porn with relief from pain. Studies show that over time, the brain actually produces more neurotransmitters in the brain that act like an opioid pain reliever for men who chronically watch pornography. This is serious. But Jesus is the healer, and we as parents can walk them through that healing. We need to put boundaries and safeguards, my friends. We've talked about this before. There are, there are apps and different things that we can have on our phone and our computers that actually safeguard our computers, give us feedback about what our kids are watching. And of course, 
one boundary we have in our home is our kids don't do anything in private on their phones or in, on their computers, all out in the open. It's interesting, the compromise in parents on this topic. It's not okay for the kids to be addicted to drugs, but porn, that's okay because everybody's doing it. It's ubiquitous. My friends, we need to have a new mindset. The common versus normal. I think it's okay as you talk to your children. Also, we haven't even talked about this aspect of it, is to personalize this. Whoever is taking off of their clothes and, and, and posing for pictures or videos, think about the pain and the abuse and the manipulation that's in their lives. Talk to your children about them being it's their sister or their daughter that's being exposed to this. The industry is absolutely evil. Ugh. So let me close with this. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. It's called living in a boundary. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit sins, such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects the instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. It affects your mind, your emotion, your heart, but also your spirit. Because we are spiritually connected to a Father who loves us and who cares for us and is giving us loving boundaries so that we're safe, that we're protected, that we can live a whole and happy life. My friends, this is a serious, serious topic, and I'm sorry to bring such a big, serious topic to you, but we can no longer ignore it. We have to be able to talk about it and talk about it openly with our kids. I'd love to hear your feedback or, or maybe some of the things that you've walked through with your kids or, 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 or ideas that you can give to other parents to help safeguard their children or some of the experiences that you've had, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You can go to pushbackculture.org and leave your comment or story for me. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. We're just almost upon the Christmas season, so I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Next week is going to be my third annual uh, pushback game show, so pay close attention to that, and, I, and we're going to have some fun next week. Thank you so much again for listening. Now let's go together to set and shape the culture. Music